Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. False teachers aren't nice. This is Wretched Radio. Despite the smiles, despite the lame jokes, false teachers are anything but kind. Prosperity preachers, word faith preachers, those who tell people God wants them to be rich if they will just have enough faith. God wants you to be healed if you just believe. And if you don't, well, we know the implication to that, don't we? Which means, whoa, false teachers aren't nice, which is why over the weekend I had the genuine privilege of spending three days with Justin Peters. You know Justin Peters, of course. He's an evangelist. He travels around the globe. And I got to tell you something. Uh, he, uh, he should be held up in front of your teenager who's maybe tilting more to the lazy side to say, look at this guy. Look at this guy. He has cerebral palsy. And, and, and he has to work hard to get from A to B, and he does. And talking to Justin, I was just in India. What? I was, I was just in Uganda. What? And he has, to, he has to use braces to walk, and he's also got a scooter that has to come with him. One of those electronic carts, which I, I have to confess, they're kind of cool to drive. The point is, look at that man, how hard he works to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he should be one of those models that you can you can share with your teenagers to say, see that? That that's that's what image bearers are supposed to work like. Hard working. And so he came in on Thursday night. We spent Friday doing wretched TV. Friday night, recording a discernment resource. Saturday morning, discernment resource. Saturday afternoon, four hours, discernment resource. Sunday morning, he preached. We threw him on an airplane and off he went back to Montana. What a whirlwind and what a model for what it means to be one who wants people to know the truth and not be hurt. And that's why we recorded the discernment video. And Justin Peters, I got to tell you something, he kind of nailed it. And he's a man who knows whereof he speaks because he's been hurt by false teachers. I don't think he'd put it that way, but he most certainly was. This is Justin Peters. Jimmy, do we know who recorded this so we can give credit where credit is due? I do not. Well, well let's look for it so okay. that we can give props to whoever recorded this. Uh, this is Justin Peter sharing a story of when he was 16 years old with cerebral palsy. But when I was a teenager at age 16, a neighbor of mine who went to our church came up to me and he said, Justin, God has spoken to me and he's told me that he's going to heal you as long as you have enough faith. And at age 16, this really resonated with me. I wanted to be healed. I wanted to run and play football and do the things that my friends were doing. And so he he, I really latched on to that. He told me about a faith healer named Nora Lamb, L-A-M. 
who was coming to my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi. This was back in 1989. I was 16 years old. And uh, back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, Nora Lamb was a big deal in the faith healing movement. She's a Chinese woman who wrote a book entitled China Cry, in which she detailed how God supposedly brought her out of communist China like back in the 50s and uh, dramatic stories. She says that she carried her firstborn child in her womb for 12 months before she gave birth just so God could get her out of communist China. And I mean, just dramatic, escaped a firing squad and all that kind of stuff, dramatic stuff. Now, I found out many years later that pretty much everything Nora Lamb told about herself was fabricated. It was just no. made up. But of course, at age 16, I didn't know that. And uh, so in the weeks leading up to Nora Lamb's arrival, this neighbor of mine named Charlie, he, he spent a lot of time with me and he would take verses of scripture out of their context. And he had me completely convinced that, it, yeah, it's always God's will to be healed. Isaiah 53, four and five, by his stripes, we are healed. Says it right there. Third John two, beloved, I pray that in all things you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Wow, God wants me to prosper and be in good health, health and well, you know. So um, and at age 16, I didn't know anything about hermeneutics, never even heard the word. And I'm not even, to be honest, real sure if Charlie knew that he was taking these verses out of their context. But um, at any rate, that's what he was doing. And uh, so I was completely convinced that when Nora Lim came to the Holiday Inn at Vicksburg, Mississippi, to have a nice. meeting there, that I would be healed. I called a, a buddy of mine, a, another guy named Justin Fisher, who lived in a different part of the state in Conahatta, Mississippi. Uh, Justin and I share the same same first name, and we also share the same disability. He has cerebral palsy, as do I. And we've been best friends ever since we were toddlers. But um, so I said, hey, Justin, you know, Nora Lamb's coming to Vicksburg. She's a great faith healer. I'm going to be healed. I want you to be healed. So come spend the weekend. And so um, his parents brought him over, spend the weekend. And so the big night finally arrived. It was a Saturday night, December the 3rd, 1989. And we went to the Holiday Inn in the big banquet room there or whatever. And there was a meal first. And then there was Nora Lamb got up to preach. And a lot of stories, you know, any, when you listen to charismatic preachers, quite honestly, very, very little Bible teaching. It's always stories. God did this. God told me this. God told me that. I got a dream. I got a vision. This is what happened. It's, it, they, they exegete their own stories rather than scripture. But at any rate, a uh, lot of dramatic stories, you know, a lot of claims of miracles. And then it came time for the healing to start. Uh, but before the healing started, she passed around buckets, quite literally like Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets, <laughs> to take up a love offering. And that's always done right before the healing, and that's by design. The, in, the implication is, not so subtle insinuation is, is that if you need a miracle, you got to sow seed. So sow a seed, then you'll reap a harvest. So they passed the buckets around. I didn't have any money. Uh, but at any rate, uh, then after that, then it came time for healing. And she said, okay, everyone who needs to be healed, I want you to form a line. And so a, a long line formed, went all the way around the room. 
And neither Justin nor myself can stand up for long periods of time on our crutches. And so we just kind of waited until the end of the line came up and then we would make our move up to the front to be healed by Norland. And so one by one, people would come up to Mrs. Lamb and she had this little vial of oil. And as people would come up, she would put some oil on her finger and she would touch people on the forehead. And as she did that, people would fall over being slain in the spirit one right after the other. And there were bodies lying all over the floor. And I, I was raised Baptist and we, we had, I had never seen anything like this, but I was just absolutely bug eyed when I saw this, you know, the demonstration of this power is like, wow, this is real. This is real power here. People are falling over and all that kind of stuff. And, and so when it, uh, when the end of the line finally came up, Justin and myself stood up and we began to walk down to Mrs. Lamb or walk up to Mrs. Lamb and she saw us coming and then all of a sudden she decided it was time to go. Service mm. was over mm-hmm. and she began to make her exit out the back door. Well, my dad saw her doing this and so he kind of briskly walked up and stopped her and he said, my two boys have been waiting to see you and I would appreciate it if you wouldn't leave until you spoke with them. Well, this was in front of everyone. So she pretty much had to turn around and she came up to Justin and myself and she said something to us. I don't even remember what it was, but she dipped her finger in that oil and she touched him on the head. She touched me on the head. I don't remember what happened to him, but I remember I did fall backwards. I was slain in the spirit. Now, of course, they always have catchers behind you which has never made sense to me. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is strong enough to knock you over, is he not also strong enough to kind of give you a gentle landing so you don't hurt yourself when he does it? But at any rate, they've got catchers. And so I kind of fell backwards. Now, looking back on that, there was nothing spiritual about it at all. It's just that I had seen everyone else do it. And so subconsciously, when when you've seen all these other people do it, and then it's your turn, and everybody's watching you, you're going to do the same thing. It's peer pressure, it's group dynamics, it's mind over body. You're not necessarily trying to deceive, but it's just your your precondition to it, and you do it. Mm. The story ain't nowhere near over just yet. That's the voice of Justin Peters. He is a road warrior sharing the gospel trying to help people discern so that they too don't get hurt. Just think of the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who have been deceived by deceivers, and they've been hurt financially, emotionally, and almost certainly spiritually. That is why false teachers are not nice. We'll hear the conclusion of Justin Peters' Nora Lamb story next on Wretched. So, you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer 
convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with. And it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when i heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids the sonogram or the the pictures that are taken of babies still a profoundly helpful tool which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting preborn ministries preborn ministries and their network clinics they are giving away free ultrasounds to women but they do cost something it's 28 dollars an ultrasound and just as you heard governor DeSantis say his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched know your reformers Martin Luther was a German monk and professor who was plagued with doubt about his salvation. When he finally read the Bible for himself, he rediscovered the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. His bold witness for biblical truth was the spark that ignited the Protestant Reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale that isn't nice. This is Wretched Radio. Justin Peters just spent three days here in Wretched Land recording a discernment resource. We'll have that ready in September. He also did some Wretched TV with us, and he preached Sunday morning at Alpharetta Bible Church. Perfectly poignant sermon. It was about five marks of a healthy church, which we need because we're a brand new church, and we need to remember what church is supposed to be and who gets to define the rules, and it ain't us. It's Jesus himself. And Justin Peters, in one of his presentations, 
probably one of mine too, we discussed the urgency of false teaching, the urgency it's needed. Now, we don't want to become hyper discerners. Oh, you wear Adidas tennis shoes. Antichrist, it has three stripes. And if you take seven divided by two and subtract a half, which is the symbol for things, then you must be... No, we don't want to become that. And we don't want to be discerning everybody's sins every time we see somebody do something that we don't think is biblical. But we do need to summon the courage to discern when needed. And so there are rules to that. And we tried to lay out, lay out as many as we possibly could. And one of the motivators is that false teaching and false teachers, it really does hurt people. They get bilked of their money. Kids lose their inheritance while the false teacher flies around in a private jet and lives in 24,000 square foot mansions. Uh, it hurts people. Justin Peters knows whereof he speaks. 16, with cerebral palsy, he was told at the Holiday Inn, Seems fitting at the Holiday Inn, Nora Lam, who is a Chinese miracle healing preacher, came to his town in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Justin Peters went with another buddy, and they wanted to get healed. And who can blame them? Who can blame them for that? And at these crusades, countless genuinely sick. I mean, wow, you have no idea what it even took to get them there. They don't even get to the stage. Well, that's exactly what happened with Justin and his buddy, Justin. They walked down the aisle. Nora Lamb saw them coming on their crutches and went, gotta go. Dad said, hold on, not so fast, lady. These boys want to get healed. Well, she anointed them. Justin fell over. Now, years later, recognizing he was simply trained. He'd seen everybody else fall down, go boom. So he felt that he should too, because that was a part of getting the healing. He wanted it that badly. And who can blame him? What happened next? Mrs. Lamb once again began to try to make her exit. But before she did, she, she turned around. She said this. She said, I'm leaving town very early in the morning. But if anybody wants to see me before I leave tomorrow morning, be back here at 430 in the morning. She left. Well, I was still crippled. Justin was still crippled. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be healed if we come back in the morning because that will be my demonstration of my faith. And God will see that. And so I asked my dad to bring us back early the next morning. And against his better judgment, he did. And uh, we got there, walked into the Holiday Inn and saw the little room where Nora Lamb was in. And she looked at Justin and myself, and she looked at my father, and she asked him this question. What is your financial situation? Oh, boy. And my dad said, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the more money you give to the Lord's work, the more likely it is he will answer wow. your prayers. And that was enough for my dad. He said, boys, let's go. And we left. So that was... That was my first exposure to what I now know to be the Word of Faith movement. I also went to see a man named R.W. Schambach, who was another big name in the faith healing movement back then. Please note, he wanted to get healed. 
He didn't just go and get burned once. I think the oil she put on his forehead came from a snake. He goes again because people are struggling and they want help. And these people only hurt. Um, But in going to see those faith healers all those many years ago, I had no idea what God was preparing me to do today. And so in and of itself, it was not a good thing that I went to see these faith healers. But in God's providence, he used Mm. that in and of itself, not good, but he used it for the good uh, to kind of put me on the trek that I'm on today. And, And sometimes people will accuse me of being bitter. The, the reason Justin teaches against all these people, he's bitter. He's bitter that he was not healed when he was a teenager. And I think I can honestly tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. Besides, does that sound like a bitter man to you? <laughs> I, even with his sharpest denunciations of false teachers and false teaching, he actually sounds agitatingly nice all the time. It's like, come on, dude. Get angry. He's just so shalom. If I have to live the rest of my life with cerebral palsy, that's fine. I've got all of eternity to live without it. There's not a bitter bone in my body about not being healed. Uh, I know this life is so short. It is but a vapor. And so, and, and I also know. And by the way, before he shares that, if you're wondering, what's that crinkling sound? He's standing in front of standing, sitting in front of a fireplace. That's what you're hearing. That I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. And so anything short of hell is God's mercy on me. So I have I have nothing to complain about. There's nothing bitter uh, in there's no bitterness motivating what I do at all. Got to tell you, I was with him for three days. I don't think he's lying. Um, years later, I began to study the movement at a more academic level. And that's when I began to realize that the Word of Faith movement is not just about health and wealth. That's just some of the bad, low-hanging fruit off of a rotten theological tree, a tree that is doctrinally rotten, at its roots, and health and wealth is just some of the bad fruit hanging off of those dead branches. But as part of my research, I have been to now 18 different Benny Hinn Crusades. I've been to Kenneth Copeland meetings. I've been to Joyce Meyer conferences. I've been... By the way, we don't name names here. Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen. I've been to Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollars, um, on and on. I've been to a lot of these meetings because I... Todd Bentley... I want to get into the trenches, and I, I, I want this to be not only an academic, you know, theological, which everything's theology, but I, I, I want to get into the trenches. I want to talk to people. I want to see what goes on, witness to people, and I, I, I do that a lot when I go to these, go to these things. But, but at least from a kind of a, a human standpoint, I have seen... I've got images in my mind that I will never be able to get out of poor people, sick people, people in wheelchairs, people laying on the floor on a mat, so sick with cancer they can't even sit up, can't even lift their heads. I've seen parents with dying children, children hooked up to breathing machines, 
parents with little children who have encephalitis, hydroencephalitis with a grossly misshapen head, uh, who these little kids, many of them don't even know that they're alive. And these parents are with their kids, tears streaming down their faces, desperate for a miracle for their child. See, that's what the television cameras won't show you at a Benny Hinn crusade. That on the floor, in the back, safely away from the camera lenses, are all these dozens and dozens and dozens, hundreds of sick people, desperate for a miracle. And Benny Hinn tells them, sow a seed, give me money. In fact, as of this recording just a couple of months ago, he had a video up and he said, and I quote, even what little you have left, give it to the Lord. And by give it to the Lord, he means give it to me. It's horrible. It's horrific. Uh, that is the, the dark underbelly of this movement that the television cameras won't show you. There's probably one of those crusades going on as we speak. Not, not, not that this is even to suggest that there's any worth in these prosperity preachers, but they have cheap knockoffs that are doing this all over the globe. Why? Because people are desperate everywhere. People need money every place. They've got sick kids and they're being abused. And that should motivate us. Motivates Justin. He wants people to know the gospel, the true gospel, because it so often gets buried by wagon loads of prosperity trash that they never hear the gospel. And it should motivate us to, if we love God, we love truth, we love people, we will discern. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with some health news. The Department of Health and Human Services has admitted that they have only two pages, two pages worth of scientific evidence that supported their promotion of so-called gender-affirming care. Sources say that most of the evidence amounts to vague references and emotional appeals rather than any type of hard data. But hey, who needs facts when you have feelings, right? And we shift gears now to the world of literature and big tech censorship. New emails reveal an effort by the White House to pressure Amazon to stop selling books they deem unacceptable. Apparently, letting Americans think for themselves is a big no-no according to this administration. And, of course, Amazon complied like good little cronies of the White House. Education administrators in the San Francisco Bay Area have implemented what they call woke kindergarten curriculum that focuses heavily on social justice issues. Shockingly, this has resulted in plunging literacy and math scores. Yeah, who could have predicted that, right? Distracting five-year-olds with critical race theory instead of teaching shapes and colors? Who would have ever imagined that would backfire? Reports are showing that Chinese nationals are making up the fastest growing population that are illegally crossing the southern U.S. border. That's right, and obviously that raises major national security concern considering the cozy relationship between the Chinese Communist Party and many powerful players in D.C. But pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, or so we're told. 
And in lighter news, conservative rapping sensation Ben Shapiro <laughs> made a surprise announcement about his music career after his debut rap single topped the iTunes charts. The announcement, well, that was his one and only. He is now retired. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I just want to say thanks, Ben. Thanks for retiring. And speaking of singing sensations, and this is only wretched news because, well, I worked in country radio for 20 years, but sad news, country music legend Toby Keith passed away last night at the age of 62 and had a long battle with stomach cancer. Keith was known for major hits like Should've Been a Cowboy and his patriotic anthems after 9-11. Should've Been a Cowboy was actually his debut single and it went on to be the most played country single on the radio for the decade of the 90s. From 1990 to 2000, it was the most played country single on country radio and it was released in 1993 remarkable feat toby keith dead at the age of 62 and that's been today's wretched news break more wretched radio is straight ahead i'm jimmy hicks books of the bible the gospel of matthew is an account of the life of christ written by one of jesus's disciples Matthew's Gospel shows Jesus as the promised Messiah, God's anointed King and Savior. When you hear of the Kingdom of Heaven, remember that there is no kingdom without a king. Only those who bow before Jesus will enter His Kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you worry. Todd is here. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Todd has decided that we need to talk about X because Todd has determined that this might be healthy for us and encouraging to solid local churches. So that's why Todd is going to talk about Elmo, who apparently uh. likes to talk in the third person. Did you hear the kerfuffle? Elmo tweeted, Elmo is just checking in. Is that Elmo or the Cookie Monster? Uh, that's uh, uh, somewhere. You know, Elmo, how does Elmo go? I, high, high pitched, I think. Oh, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> My falsetto left a long time ago. Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? And whoa, even the president responded, or somebody for the president. That's right. Elmo checked in on the mental health of America. And these are some of the responses that he heard. Elmo, I'm suffering from existential dread over here. Existential dread. Now, look, it is... It is likely that this is the therapeutic language of our day, but I'm going to trust that there's something behind this. I don't care if it comes from a Zoomer, a Boomer, whatever the generation is. There is a massive group of people out there who are indeed experiencing some form of dread, purposelessness, lacking in hope, no foundation, uh, just trying to sort, what am I doing here? Another person responded to Elmo. Every morning, I cannot wait to go back to sleep. Every Monday, I cannot wait for fr I cannot wait for Friday to come. Every single day and every single week for life. Whoa. The world is burning around us, Elmo, said a YouTuber. And celebrities such as actress Rachel Zegler and all of God's people said, who's that? Resisting the urge to tell Elmo that I'm kind of sad, and they are, and all the Elmo kerfuffle did 
is remind us that the statistics have real people behind them. Now, when we read these stats on the depression rate, anxiety, existential dread, uh, there's real people and they're really struggling. And Sesame Street actually has the gall to think that somehow they're going to help them. This is just, just consider where we are. A hand puppet. Or I, I, is that how they're done? Are they hand puppets or are they strings? Strings. Uh, whatever. It's a puppet. Right up there with mimes for my money. They actually think that they can have their, their characters speak a word of hope, help, comfort. <laughs> Elmo responded, wow, Elmo is glad he asked. Elmo learned that it is important to ask a friend how they are doing. Elmo will check in again soon, friends. Elmo loves you. Hashtag emotional well-being. Go all. The very worldview that has brought people to depression is offering them hope. This is like trying to build a foundation on Kung Fu rice paper. You just fall right through it. And then the very world system that got you there offers you a hand that is as slippery as a snake oil salesman. No, it's as slippery as that Bible that was had oil coming out of it. They offer a hand and you just whoosh, back down you go. And they hurt all over again. Other Sesame Street characters spoke up in support of their friend. The Cookie Monster wrote, Me here to talk it out whenever you want. Me will also supply cookies. Hashtag emotional well-being. And they think they're offering it. Muppets. Ernie's best friend, Bert. I'm here. I'm here. If you ever need a shoulder to lean on. <laughs> Spot on. It's either Bert or Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> I'll make us both a warm cup of tea. Wow. Thanks. And then the president chimed in. Sometimes it's hard to see sunny days. We just need to get along, which is a staggeringly ironic statement for our president to make. So my question for you is this. What do these people need? Now, seeker-sensitive folks would say, well, let's go out there and find out. I don't need to because my Bible tells me what they need. They don't need a show. They don't need fog. They don't need a thumping band on Sunday morning with decibels so high you need earplugs, which they conveniently pass out when you enter into their their theater because calling it a worship center would even be a stretch. What do they get there? They, they get what Justin Peters got when he went to the faith healer. Nothing. They get nothing. They just, they just get pumped up. They, they just you know, play the music, do the moody thing, give them some life hacks. And it is not what people need. What do these people need? They need truth. They need truth about God. They need truth about themselves. They need truth about reality. And I would suggest to you, maybe with some of these folks, somewhere inside of them, they want something transcendent. And they go to these silly centers and they see a knockoff rock show that probably couldn't be hired as a bar band doing an 80s montage from Duran Duran. And they're just left going, what? And are we seeing the statistics? People are fleeing those churches. But do you know where people are going? Bible-based churches. 
that have a high view of God, a high view of the Bible, because they walk in and they see something different. And isn't that the way that it's supposed to be? That people, Paul told the Corinthians, would walk in and they would go, whoa, God is in this place because it's different. And because they recognize that what is being sung is loftier than, oh, 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 flow, river flow, like Alice on TV in the 70s, flow, flow. They, 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 they don't need that. And when they hear songs being sung that exalt Jesus Christ, you go back and you pick any of those old hymns, and a single line is better than most of the stuff, not all, most of the stuff that is being penned these days. If you're a church that has a high view of God, a high view of the Bible, and a high view of worship, don't you get tempted. Don't you become a silly center. Don't you go about the business of trying to figure out what these people need, because the Bible is our instruction manual that tells us exactly what they need. And it is my contention in this era, uh, people, they've had enough of Elmo. They know this is nonsense. And when they walk into one of these places that calls themselves a church, I, maybe it takes a bit, but they finally realize, why do I feel so rotten when I leave the place? Because nothing changed. They never had an encounter with the Word of God, and they need it. So keep doing it, Pastor. Keep doing it. Keep preaching what people need. Addiction Clinic estimates 60% of under-18s experience porn addiction. Addiction. What do, what, do these, what do these kids need? Really? They, they need an Aerosmith medley? Really? That's, that's what they need? Or, uh, no, Green Day, because that's a little hipper. Just by a bit. It's not what they need. And, and they don't need pastors who fail to talk about these issues. Talk about them because you got to know that there's men and women. I believe 30% now is the number of women that are looking at pornography regularly. Now, that doesn't mean that it's two-thirds of the men that somehow it's decreased. No, that is it, it, that number is staggeringly high. But women are now entering the game, and they need pastors to talk about it because a lot of these people who are stuck in this sin they need something more than Elmo. <laughs> and when I say Elmo, I mean a pastor who pretends to be a preacher who gets up there and bombasts them with platitudes. The world needs help. Joe Biden dishes out, this is from WND, dishes out $200,000 to teach men to sound like women. Cool. The National Institute of Health approved a research grant in November for over $200,000 to create an app that helps men who identify as transgender sound like women. I, I know that apps are expensive. We're in the process of making one. They ain't $200,000 expensive, but that's the efficiency of the government for you. What is our government doing? Romans 1, helping deceive people sound like something they're not. And by the way, who says that women have a higher-pitched voice? Hmm? There's no difference. Remember, I know. The inconsistencies abound. What do these people need? They need something big. They need something lofty. They, they need to see God high and lifted up. 
to bring them to their knees so that they understand their need for the Savior. This is, this is what people need. I don't need to be like Robert Schuler. I, I don't need to be a surveyor of the neighborhood to understand or reading the cultural headlines to go, okay, how can we position church to make it something that they need? That question is answered for us. Furthermore, it begs, no, I'm not making a reference to the big kerfuffle. It begs the question, for whom do we do church? Pagans or God? This is Wretched Radio. Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, it is a beautiful day to talk about something close to our hearts. Here at Gospel Partners Media, you know we're on a mission. We talk about it so frequently, and it's a mission that doesn't include buying jets with your donations. Even if we wanted to, which we don't, but if we did, the folks at the ECFA would put us on some kind of list or something. I don't know, but that's not what our mission is. We're on a mission to reach as many people all across the world by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is where you come in. So, if you enjoy listening to us here at Wretched Radio and thought, hey, these guys are okay. Well, we would ask if you would prayerfully consider joining us on this mission because your support could be the difference in someone hearing the gospel. And let's be honest, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that worth a little bit more than just keeping the lights on? Though we do like seeing where we're going. <laughs> Wretched.org slash donate. That's where you can get answers to any questions you may possibly have on becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Bridegroom, 
Christians are waiting for Christ's return, which the book of Revelation describes as the wedding of the Lamb. Christ will come to usher His bride, His church, into eternity with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What is love? No, what is truth? No, 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 scratch that. What is love? What is, no, wait, wait, what is truth? This is Wretched Radio. Those appear to be two different questions. I would suggest to you for the Christian, they're the same question. Because love is the truth. And the truth, being spoken rightly, is love. And we do well to not confuse truth and love. They aren't separate categories when it comes to how we communicate to people. We must do both simultaneously. Truth and love aren't in separate corners. They walk hand in hand, at least they do for the Christian. And one of the loving things that we can do for people who are confused living in sin is to speak the truth to them, which is an act of love. And as long as the subject of love has been brought up, permit me to read you a text. I know I hate it when people do that too. But I think that there is so much in a text I received from a fellow whose name is Dan that I'm not going to mention to help us think through our current issues of how we respond to the world that says, you've got to go participate in something that I think most Christians would say, ah, it's unbiblical. It's sinful. Of course, I'm talking about marriages that aren't between a man and a woman. Marriages uh, that perhaps the Bible has said, oh, that's a sinful matrimony. And to go to that, you've got to ask yourself the question, are you affirming that sin? Ask yourself the question. And I don't, don't bypass yourself in this, but ask yourself the question, why is it that we are so moderated in our speech regarding these issues? Is it possible that the world has been very successful in redefining love? That we are quite allergic to speaking truth in love because we don't think that will be loving? Hey, if you tell them the truth about their sinful union, that's not nice. That's not loving. Hold it. The Bible says speaking truth is love, and love is speaking the truth. And I can't help but wonder if the world hasn't done a bang-up job in persuading all of us that love is really sentimentality, that, that something, action, word spoken, worldview, that makes somebody feel bad isn't loving. And, and that's not what love is. Love is always speaking the truth, regardless of the consequences. Yeah, there's times, of course, when we use discretion, when we apply wisdom. But to reject speaking the truth because the world has told us that's not nice because it makes somebody feel bad is, is not the definition of either truth or love. Two sides of the same coin. And this text that I received from my buddy, I think might help us, and it might help us all do a little self-examination. Am I inclined to make a decision about whether to attend an unbiblical wedding because I want to be loving according to the world's definition? Here's what my, my, my buddy wrote. Todd, another contributing factor to the overall situation is how American Christians process the idea of love. 
For the last 50 years, the secular world has branded love merely as an emotional reaction or way to treat people in their lives. This type of love has never been effective in fostering healthy relationships because it's not true. This is funny. After all, John Lennon said, all you need is love. And then the Beatles broke up. (laughs) Love must be seen as doing what is in the best interest of another person. Whoa, hold the phone, Henrietta. When you think love, do you think that? I I will confess to you, as I've been processing the A-bomb that was dropped, I, I get it. Believe me, I get it. It's like, ah, grandma grandson and he's going to think that she's really mean hold it what is that have i have i possibly imbibed to a degree the world's definition of love as merely doing nothing that ever annoys anybody or am i thinking in biblical concepts love must be seen as doing what is in the best interest of another person love does what hopes all things believes all things we, we, we want the best for people. We see the teaching in life of Christ replete with this example, whether it is the story of the Good Samaritan or the very incarnation of Christ. Love does what's in the best interest of the other person, regardless of the cost to oneself. That's love. We need to perhaps re- define or at least remember the biblical definition of what love is. Because if we don't, we will all become pragmatists. We'll make decisions based on a deficient view of love. Now, does this mean that love can never have warm fuzzies? No. Um, But that isn't the highest form of love. The highest form of love is doing regardless. Not, Not doing something that pleases self per se but doing something that is good for you. I'm I'm doing this because this is good for you. Now, what is good for people who are confused about their gender, their sexuality? What's good for them? They need to know the truth. They need to know what God says. They need to know where he draws the lines. When love is viewed in this way, writes my buddy, it forces the individual to do hard things for the sake of another person. I don't think that value can be minimized. In a real way, the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself demands that an individual not reinforce false concepts and blatant blasphemy in the life of another person. How helpful is that? Because what what I keep thinking about and what I keep hearing when it comes to the issue of pronouns has been the mantra, and I'm not saying it's wrong, by the way, has been the mantra, you can't participate in deception. You cannot affirm the lie that the individual is believing. And that is most certainly true. But there's another mantra that we should consider. Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Not only am I not, but am I doing? Not only am I not willing to participate in deception, am I willing to love? And what does love require? Truth. They go hand in in hand. My, my, my buddy concludes, the very way we think of love has shifted under our feet and now is shifting again in regard to familial relationships in the realm 
of sexuality. And then he writes, gotta go. Listening to Debbie Boone's classic, You Light Up My Life, and the chorus is about to hit. After all, how could it be wrong when it feels so right? <laughs> the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing we need. Yeah, didn't the Beatles get divorced, too? It's not enough. It's insufficient. It's sentimental. And by the way, because I know you're interested, I responded to my, to my brother. I, I believe this does need to be amplified and put on a front burner. But if you think you're busy, I'm torn between two lovers and feeling like a fool while listening to the Pina Colada song. If you get those references, you're old. I'm just happy you responded. <laughs> you don't typically respond. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I resemble that remark. How do you define love? Maybe, just maybe, if you're confronted with one of these conundrums, let biblical love drive you. Let, let biblical love push you. The world is pressing in on all sides to redefine love. Consider what they're doing with marriage itself. Love is love. Isn't that the mantra? And, and I'm sorry. Um, I think we've bought into it to a degree, varying degrees, all of us. I, I really don't think anybody has not been impacted by it to some degree. Some people have just drank the Kool-Aid and they've equated love with nice, love with uh, love with I'll do whatever makes you happy. It's not what love is. It, love is not what makes somebody happy. Now, you can do something loving that does make somebody happy. But you do the loving thing that is best for the person. That's agape love. That, that's, that's why God created the universe. God did not create an entire solar system because he was bored and needed something to do on Friday nights. He created it out of his love. And we need to understand what that love is. Please note, I don't think it's ever without affection. I don't think it's ever without warm sentiments. But God's love is a love that just gives and gives and gives. What does he give? What makes us happy? No, he doesn't even do that for his children. Ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. But if you need to be discipled, I won't give it to you, or I might even give you something that you need so that you progress in the better thing, becoming like my son. Love, it speaks truth. Love is truth. And love does what is best for the other person, regardless of the fallout. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>